Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And here we are. We had a spirited first hour. We're going to have a spirited second hour here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Demont Cotton, your boy Q. Many thanks to Eddie Pascal, who was just in the studio. And then we had Charles Davis from CBS Sports Radio join us a little earlier in the show. Right now, uh, pleased to have on the phone lines from the Draft Network, Damian Parson. And Dame, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And I don't really want to dip into, you know, this guy's going to go number one. This guy's going to go number five. This team's going to draft because it's, I mean, it's January, right? There's so many things that could change between now and the end of April when the draft comes up. But when you look at the quarterbacks in particular, and I know you've been doing a lot of deep diving, how many do you look at and say those are franchise quarterbacks? Man, first of all, appreciate the, the, the invite to the show, man. I really appreciate that. Um, when, you, when you look at the quarterbacks in this class, man, it's, it's tough. You know, it's tough to call because it's like everyone has like a glaring or, or some type of flaw, right? Like mm-hmm. Bryce Young is his size. Right, the height is a problem for some, but it's mostly the frame for everyone else. Right, uh, Anthony Richardson, not enough playing time or experience. He's raw. Uh, C.J. Stroud, oh, he's an Ohio State quarterback. You know that narrative that just recycles itself. It's like a book that never ends, right? And then, of course, Will Levis um, as a guy that just did not perform well. Uh, so when I when I look at it, I will be honest with you: all these guys have a path to success to potentially be a franchise quarterback. And it really just depends on the, on the situation of where they land. Um, a lot of these guys have traits and tools, um, whether it's IQ, processing, but, of course, the physical tools. Like you see with the, um, a Will Levis and the Anthony Richardson, those guys are what I call truck traits, where they, you can hitch your wagon to them. They, they're they not trailers that you have to hitch them to the wagon, uh, which is the team. So it, it's tough really to see who it would be a uh, franchise QB because all of these guys have something that they really need to work on. Unfortunately for Bryce, he can't fix his size per se. <laughs> right. But um, but the rest of the guys, Will Levis, Stroud, you know, uh, A-Rich, those, all these guys to me could be franchise quarterbacks. But it's going to be up to the NFL team that drafts them to put them in the right situation. Well, when you look at Will Levitz, uh, he's got all the tools, but he's coming off a down season. How much is that going to hurt him in this process, or is there going to be an explanation, or is there a lot he could do at, say, the Combine or any of these other showcases, pro days and all that, to, to make teams feel a little bit better than what they saw from the film last season? Yeah, the film was tough. The film was definitely tough. It was not the best um, that he could have put on tape. And I know he, he dealt with injuries and you know, you already hear some, uh, you know, what people, what fans will call uh, Will Levis apologists. Um, there's some people that will make, you know, some excuses for him and say, well, the offensive line wasn't good, right? Well, uh, oh, the, the receivers were young. And I'm like, those are true statements. The offensive line struggled at times and the receivers were like true freshmen and transfers and, you know, kind of new to the offense. And the play calling wasn't the greatest either. But what Will can control. You know, I mean, when you can, whatever you have to control, you got to control that, right? And will the things that he could control, decision making, accuracy, ball placement, you know, not turning the ball over, not throwing in a double and triple coverage at times, those things he did not control. You know, those were in his control. He didn't do a good job of that. So for me, I would have loved to see him at the Senior Bowl next week, down in Mobile. Mm-hmm. I will be there. You know, the whole draft network, our squad will be down there. It's as well as everyone else in the draft sphere, right? So it would have been great to see him go down there and dominate that, that entire week, that event, 
and really solidify himself. But I think the next time we're going to be able to see him uh, will be Indy, right? In, in, in the shirts and shorts where right. it doesn't really prove anything to us, right? We, we, one thing I would say, we got to learn from Zach Wilson, right? Don't take the shirts and shorts activities serious, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the pro day throws and all that type of stuff. You gotta, you gotta weigh it. You know, take it with a grain of salt because anybody can, you know, that has the physical tools can make those things, uh, make those throws and, and and those decisions when it's just them, their receivers in the air. But it's like, what happens when you got a rush coming? Can you can you evade? Right? Can can you make plays? and make the right play. And he just didn't do that enough this season. Um, yes, the, the other circumstances are true, but I, I think for him, the senior bowl really would have helped solidify and relieve uh, some 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 pressure off of his shoulders. Damian Parson from the Draft Network is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. You can catch him out on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. My man, demond has got one for you. Yeah, I've got to ask you about the mock draft with Will Levis going number one. How likely do you think it is that the Colts will trade up? Because to me, it seems like a silly decision because according to your mock draft, I don't know what the Colts really want to do, but Will Levis would still be there at four. So um, there's a lot there's been a lot of talk, right? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. there's been a lot of talk around David Tepper, you know, from this summer, you know, uh, wanting Will Levis. He's viewed Will Levis as his guy. Now they have a new coach. They got Frank Wright. Does he fit what Frank Wright wants to do or is it CJ Stroud? We now that's the that's the new debate now, right? But you know, I look at Indy and Indy has kind of went through the went bargain shopping, right? With all these veterans, the Phillip Rivers, the Matt Ryans and the Carson Wentz trying to fit find a, a cheap sometimes not so cheap with Carson Wentz contract at the time, but like trying to find a quick band aid to the QB position. And I feel like they're a team in the front office that's going to be aggressive. You know, you, you know how they say, like, "Hey, man, you never go to the grocery store hungry." <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like the Colts are going to go to the grocery store hungry come April. They're going to be that team. They're at four. We know Chicago is not selecting at one. Chicago is trying to get out of that pick because they can recoup picks, get more picks in the second round, get a first for next year, and continue to build around Justin Fields. Hopefully, that's what they do, and they do it well. But I truly believe that the Colts is the team to watch, as well as, of course, Carolina. Carolina has the ammunition from the seat from the Christian McCaffrey trade to San Fran to package a number of picks and move from nine to one. Because the other team you think about is Houston at two. And it's like, I think Indy, you look at their history at quarterback anyway, when they really had the quarterbacks, it was what? Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck and, and Will Levis, from a body type standpoint, look very similar. You know, 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", 240, big arm guys who are actually mobile. So I, that's why I kind of went with the Colts. I think the Colts are going to be desperate and be hungry in the grocery store and say, you know what? I'm just about to max out this card and go get what I want. <laughs> Another player that I wanted to ask you about, because I don't know too much about him, but he's a first-rounder, and you also said that he's a riser. Luke Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Do you think, because I look at the stats, and this is all I'm basing it off of, he doesn't have those monster numbers when it comes to getting after the quarterback. Why are NFL scouts or NFL GMs seeing him rise on these draft boards? Man, but the explosive power and length and body that he has, like, there's reps, I think it was Ohio State, um, against Paris Johnson, Northwestern, I believe it was Peter Skaronsky, who those are two of the top tackles in this class. 
that he was able to just really feed into these guys and, and give them that, that full power off the jump. And, and he, he wasn't a starter. That's why, that's why for me it was weird, too, when I started hearing some of the things and seeing what was going on. Is like he was a rotational guy because Iowa wanted to put their, their seniors as the starters and give the majority of the reps. But, man, he, his, his ceiling and his potential, and we know the NFL loves those two words, right? Ceiling and potential, like <laughs> mm-hmm. the upside for this guy. The NFL can't get the – they can't get enough of that stuff, right? So they – I look at it as they look at this young man as a man, like a Ryan Kerrigan or a, a Trey Hendrickson type of guy that, man, he can really potentially grow into uh, edge one or edge two for our defensive line, and we are in a really good spot with that type of power, length, and explosive uh, first step. I want to keep it in the Big Ten and stay on defense as well, but move to corner. Joey Porter Jr., what do you think about him coming out of Penn State? I like Joey Porter, man. You, you talk about length at the cornerback position. Like, he is extremely he's tall. He's got the long levers. A guy that, that, to me, excels more so in press coverage. And with those long arms, he can time his punches. I always talk about with cornerbacks, it's similar to boxing, right? you got to know how to jab, especially when you have the length advantage. you got the reach advantage. You can really play from the outside and really throw off the timing of these receivers' releases and their routes, and he can do that, right? And he, he's a good enough athlete to be able to run stride for stride with guys as well. And I just like his ability with that length to battle and play at the catch point. Got the NFL bloodlines. His father, Joey Porter Sr., longtime uh, Steelers linebacker, tough, gritty guy. And I feel like that's what you're going to get with a guy like Joey Porter Jr., a uh, good athlete, good length, and man cover corner. Talking again right now with Damian Parson from the Draft Network here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Since uh, DeMond took it to the corner position, I wanted to ask you, how deep is the draft for corners? Not necessarily who the number one guy is, but if you're a team that needs a corner, can you get one in round one, round two, maybe even round three? 100%. Absolutely. This, this is a really talented and deep corner group. One of, you know, just for me, stumbling across guys like Alex Austin from Oregon State, 6'1" you know, 190 pounds, a sprinter in high school, 4-4 athlete, can play man, can play his own. His teammate, Rajon Wright, his brother plays for the Cowboys, Nation Wright, he's a midday pick when he came out a couple years ago. I think round three and four, teams are still going to be able to find a cornerback two. If you, if you need that nickel, you can find a nickel guy. You're going to find different – it's like going into an ice cream shop, right? You, everybody has their preferences mm-hmm. and their flavors. This draft at corner, you're going to be able to find an archetype, a body type that you want, the athletic profile that you want, the positional flexibility that you want. This is a really talented and deep group, guys. You're talking about how deep it is, but you used the word earlier, ceiling. Are any of the corners in this draft ceiling as high as the top guys like Sauce Gardner from last year? Man, Sauce and Stingley and all those guys, those were, those were almost thoroughbreds. You know what I mean? <laughs> you think about it, right? Like, those were absolute dudes, man. But I'm going to tell you, it's all about, even with Sauce, it's all about fit. You know, going to a cover three scheme with Robert Sala and them putting him in the, in the position to succeed, and that helps that confidence, right? You think about Akili Ringo and what we saw with Tariq Woolen, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can put Akili Ringo 6'2", 6'3", 210, uh, you know, come out of high school as a junior in high school for some reference. He clocked in at 10-4-3 in the 100, right? Well, DK Metcalf in 2021, when he did his pro debut, clocked at 10 3 6 as a 20, as a 20, uh, 20 year old or 24 year old, uh, you know, grown man. So it shows you the athleticism that he has and 
Div Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. You, you know, man, Christian Gonzalez may be the, the more pure corner in, in this class. And I think you've got a lot of guys that could – I don't know if they would hit that stratosphere as rookies, but the upside to me and the ceiling to these guys are high. You can find guys, especially – I think there's going to be a big run in the first round, guys. I want to go back. You mentioned Rayshon Wright, uh, obviously, out of Oregon State, but I remember him from Last Chance U when he was uh, going to Laney right there in Oakland in the Bay Area. Man, I was a big fan of that show and a big fan of Rayshon. What, what do you think? I see what his, his brother has done with the Cowboys. He's uh, hung around for a while. What do you think uh, Rayshon's ceiling is? I think he's going to be he, – he's, he's a, a multiple corner. Like, he could play man uh, and match up well. If you turn on the USC tape versus Jordan Addison – the 2021 Belitnikov winner is the best receiver in college football at the time with Kenny Pickett. He played him extremely well. That's, you think about a 6'3", high hip, long leg corner against a 5'10", 5'11", 170-pound receiver with quick feet, you typically lean to the receiver being able to win those matchups. But Rayshon, he was on it, man. You know, the, the, the technique, everything. And, and so it gave me some, some solace against – Oh, uh, you know what? Maybe he can match up with some of these smaller guys. So I think he is a guy that you you draft him on. Probably I gave him like a fourth round grade. Okay. Uh, you know, you could get in the third, fourth round, and he you bring him in as a depth piece. Yeah. That you know you go ahead and work him up your your, your depth chart, work him up the ladder, and you may have yourself a nice number two corner. Talk about the Cowboys. Look at what they have with Israel Israel McQuamu, Right? They drafted mm-hmm. him late. They moved him to safety, and then in the playoffs or the last couple games of the season because of injuries, they saw what he could do as an actual corner at six foot four. And he got him on the slot out wide. And I think you could do some similar things like that with, uh, with Rayshon Wright as well. I want to move over to receiver. Jalen Hyde is a player that I want to ask you about because from watching Tennessee's games, for me, how is this guy not projected to be a first-round pick? But what are some of the things that maybe he doesn't do on the top end that's holding him back from being one of those elite receivers in this draft? Man, he's, he's so fast and explosive. I'm going to tell you the comp that I have for this kid is Will Fuller. Um, just a mm. straight, deep threat down the field. You talk about, think about the magic he was able to make with Deshaun Watson in the last couple of years in Houston before things got murky in those waters. But um, I would say what, what holds Hyatt back is the offense that they ran into. Josh Heifel did a great job of stressing defense. You talk about being a slot receiver and lining outside the numbers. Like, that's unheard of, right? He created optimal space for guys. And when you think about the routes, the routes, he didn't really run a lot of routes. It was a lot of switch releases. It was a lot of rub routes and slot wheels and slot fades and free releases. And that makes the the projection for him a little murky early on because you say, okay, I know he's fast, but how is he going to handle the physicality when teams say, well, we're not going to let you just get off the line of scrimmage and run right past them, right? He's probably going to be a 4-2 guy. You don't want guys like that with free releases. So those are the things that he has to kind of show to, to, to NFL teams, and it's probably not going to be until camp because he's not going to any of the, um, uh, you know, no, no Shrine Bowl, no Senior Bowl, mm. where we could see him in those one-on-ones and really showcase uh, any growth. Being able to – we don't even know what his release package truly looks like because he never really faced press coverage due to the offense that they ran. So I think those are the things that are kind of holding him back for being that first-round pick. But he's a talented guy, explosive guy. You need a deep threat, especially team. You think they run the ball a lot, and you talk about play action, isolate a weapon, he's that guy you want to isolate and get him one-on-one with, with those nickel corners and 
the, the safeties over the top and let him just go down the field. Well, Damian, before we let you go, I want to take it back to the quarterback position real quick, and this has been fantastic, my man. Uh, Tanner McKee, the quarterback out of Stanford, what are your thoughts on him? Man, I think he's going to be a day – at worst, at earliest day two, I think he'd probably be a third-round pick. Big guy, 6'6", six, six, you know, long, big arm. Like, he, he is one of the best arms in his class, man. He can rip it at all three levels. Um, he's not mobile, though. So, you know, a team that wants to draft him, he's a pocket passer. He has – some movement ability in the pocket, um, but he's not someone that you're going to run a ton of. He's, gonna, he's not going to expand the playbook. You right. can't run his own read with him, and you know all that type of stuff that that teams want to run with the mobile quarterbacks. Now uh, he's not a guy that I would say is going to make you make a defense play eleven on eleven. He has accuracy when he's on. Man, he can like you know. I think it was USC in 2021 was like probably one of the best games I've seen from him, and he was just precise on time on point putting it into tight windows and man-to-man coverage. Uh, this year, was it was a little turbulent for him, a little rocky. Um, and I think you just got to make sure with him, you build up the offensive line to protect him on the interior. Uh, but, you know, if you, you get him, you know, think about the Saints, a team that wants to run the ball and play action, you can go to some spread and do some quick game and things like that with him. Uh, you can find, find a, a path for success for this guy. Could you see him as a, a Raider quarterback, knowing the kind of uh, scheme that they want to run, run the rock and have some uh, nice weapons on the outside? Oh, 100%. With those weapons that they have, he's got the arm down to push it downfield. The main thing with him is continually to develop the um, – because he's kind of a – he's a fastball pitcher. He does not always have a changeup mm. or a slider. <laughs> and he got to add those things, man. He was like, yo, I know you can put heat on it, but you got to pull the string. Let some of the air out of it. You put too much RPMs on it and you don't give your guy uh, uh, the optimal chance downfield. So as he starts to develop that, I could see him working for a team like the Raiders with Josh and Daniels and Devontae Adams and those weapons that they have. There you go. Fantastic stuff. Damian Parson right there from the Draft Network on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. This has been great. I know you're headed to the Senior Bowl. Uh, what do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for on the Draft Network? Oh, man, of course, you know, just drop my mock. Stay tuned Stay tuned to my Twitter page as I'm, you know, we're getting ready. I'm going to be dropping some previews for players to watch down in Mobile, uh, a couple videos on, on, social, on the social platform, and, of course, a ton of content next week, you know, from the Senior Bowl, live tweeting, clips, all that good stuff, man. We have a lot coming, coming down the pipeline. Next week is going to be a lot of fun, fellas. So everybody that's listening, like he gave you the, the Twitter handle, Tap in with us because I got a lot coming. No doubt, no doubt. Well, hopefully we can get you on next week at the Senior Bowl. I know you're going to be busy, but we'd love to catch up with you and uh, you kind of give us an update on what you're seeing out there because uh, this has been fantastic. All right, we will do. Up, All right, Damien. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Great stuff. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you. There he goes. That was fantastic stuff right there. Again, not worried about mock drafts, not worried about, you know, where, where this guy's going, this guy's going as far as what team right now because, I mean, there's so much that's going to change between now and then. But that kind of deep dive that we just did on all these players, I mean, man, we dope, deep dove into the cornerback position. We talked about quarterbacks. I mean, we we, we dope, no, deep dove. I keep saying dope because it was a dope <laughs> conversation. Man, that was fun. Yeah, that Jalen Hyatt nugget about like why he's probably not projected yeah. as high, he sounds like he's going to be a steal to me. It could be. It could be. I mean, that, that's the thing about it. You know, we always focus in on the first round, the second round. But, man, who you can get in the fourth round, if they could be a steal and even develop into a guy, especially if you say you go and get a, a, a Hyatt in, you know, a little bit later on. He doesn't have to shine right away. You got Devontae freaking Adams, right? I mean, you've got other guys so they can learn, but you at the same time realize 
hey, you know, you can sprinkle this guy in a little bit. He was talking about Will Fuller. Could you imagine Will Fuller with that speed? What are we guys talking about? That speed to take off the, the, the top off the defense? If he's not asked to do a whole lot right away, he doesn't have to be the guy. He just needs to be a guy that's good. And if you get him in the fourth, like, like he's talking about, that's, that's how you build a team full of talent is you just hit on throughout the course, like consistently throughout the course of the draft. You hit on guys that you could use to, to, to better uh, your team and make your team better. So if you're able to get a guy like that in the fourth or if you're able to get a Rajon Wright uh, in the fourth and he's not number one corner, but he's a really good number two, that's okay to have a really good number two. Now you need to get a number one, but it's really good to have a really good number two as well. And a guy that I know for a fact knows how to get his hands on the ball. That's a guy that I know in particular knows how to get his hands on the ball. So there's a lot of there's a lot to like, and that's why I really enjoy the NFL draft. 324 is the time. We'll come back, get to your calls and texts. We threw the question out there at the top of the show. Would you be okay with starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believed he was their franchise guy? Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Q. Gizmo hit us up on our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Trading down and grabbing that big arm from Stanford and McKee, that's a classic Mr. Davis move. I wouldn't be mad at that, especially if they built the team around a Brady prototype. That's from Mode on our don'tbebroke.com text line. And many thanks to Damian Parson from the Draft Network. He joined us in the last segment kicking off uh, actually the 3 o'clock hour, and he was fantastic. I mean, we really just kind of deep dove into – all kind of different players, scatter shot with the quarterbacks, cornerbacks, all kind of good stuff. So we'll definitely have him on live from the Senior Bowl as he joins them uh, in Mobile, Alabama. That was exciting. But what was your kind of biggest takeaway, Demond? Oh, for me, it was definitely Jalen Hyatt, but also all the prospects that are in this draft, especially at corner, because we talked a lot about yeah. corner. Were, is the ceiling going to be as high as a Sauce Garner or Derek Stingley Jr.? Because those are guys, those right. are all Doesn't pro guys like to me. It. <laughs> yeah, the ceiling isn't as high, <laughs> right. but it's that versatility. It's right. the fact that you can find a guy, whatever the prototype that you need, the build that you're looking for, that guy's still probably going to be around in the third or the fourth round, those quality starters. Mm-hmm. And then that also says that when it comes to corner, it's also that the probability of you missing probably isn't as high because you're not swinging on the home runs right. of, hey, if you don't get the guy that's projected to be right. the next big thing, you still got a quality starter. Yeah, no, you're right. If you miss on a guy that's in the fourth round, and I, I don't want to sound disrespectful to a fourth-round mm-hmm. pick or a fifth-round pick, but it's, it, it doesn't feel like that big of a hurt because you know how valuable that first-round pick is, right? Even though you'll get a stud like a Max Crosby in the fourth round and be like, man, that guy should have been drafted in the first round. But he wasn't. But he ended up being a hell of a player, and now he's like the first guy to earn the contract extension, right? So, I mean, he goes out there and earns it. But, you know, you, you sometimes you'll take a, a a risk on a guy that you're like, well, he's got the frame, and that's what Max Crosby was, right? Everyone said he's got the frame, he's got to put on some weight, but he's got the motor, he's got the tools, he just has to go and put some, you know, put a little something-something into it. Everyone's not a first-round pick. There's only 32 of them, and this year it's only 31. Miami don't even have one. So there's only 31 of them. Right? So there's mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so everyone can't be a first-round pick, it, and that's okay. You get drafted, you're getting an opportunity. Max Crosby made the most out of it. Hunter Renfro made the most out of it. Right? Even later, Brock Purdy in San Francisco has made the most out of it. Hell, he ain't lost the game since he got into, into action. It doesn't matter where you get selected. It's the fact that you get selected and get your opportunity, and you're ready when your opportunity, when, the, when your name is called. Nate Hobbs was picked in the fifth round. Had a hell of a rookie year. This year... He got pushed back and, and, and kind of held back a little bit because of, uh, you know, the injuries. So now he's got to come back, bounce back, and prove that, you know, he, he could be that dude next year. Whereas a Trayvon Merrick, more people are ready to talk about him because he was a second-round pick. 
Well, how come this second-round pick ain't getting it done? He was a guy most people projected to be a first-round pick. Right? I mean, the stakes are just that much higher. Like, if Cleve Farrell had been selected in round two or three, probably round three, nobody would be saying, oh, you missed on him. They'd be like, oh, that's a decent player. Nice rotational piece. Right, And exactly. also, Charles right. Davis mentioned it earlier when it comes to receiver. I just feel like every year the receiver's coming out, mm-hmm. you, you're you not going to miss. No, Obviously, not every receiver's just a pro bowler. Right. But the receivers, that when they, it seems like it translates mm-hmm. to the NFL a little bit easier than other positions. Well, I think that he brought up a great point when he said that everyone's throwing the ball now. Everybody, right? It doesn't matter what level of football you're watching. Everybody's spread out. And everybody's slinging that thing, right? I mean, it's just it's just the reality of it. I remember watching my son play football, and it was he was the quarterback. You know why he was the quarterback? Because he was the best athlete out there. <laughs> just run the ball. Just yeah, yeah, just give him the ball. What was it? Kimani right, Kimani left, Kimani up the gut. Kimani, I mean, you know, he's like <laughs> that's all he did. And he would come, he would come to the sideline, and be like, Dad, watch, I'm about to run 80 yards. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then he get the ball, boom, gone. He didn't have to throw the ball. He didn't have to throw the ball at all. It was just run, 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 and he was gonna be good. Now. Everyone's in shotgun. They're getting the snap. They have all these seven-on-seven camps. I mean, there's a lot of slinging the rock. So there's a lot of guys that are running routes, and and there's a lot of wide receiver on DB drills going on all the time. Oh, you see him all the time. Zachariah Branch, you know, he's yeah. a great follow on Twitter because he's posting all of his highlights Man. from the camps, but he you is burning watch, everybody. Brother, that is – that dude goes to USC. That dude stays healthy. That dude's going to be a hell of a player, and I mean a hell of a pro. I mean, obviously, you got a lot of things got to go your way. Like I said, you got to stay healthy, but that dude's got the goods. I mean, we, I don't remember where I was, but we were just, I was just talking about him with someone here locally. I was out somewhere, um, like at a bar, and we were talking sports. We're talking, I mean, seriously, we're talking, and they're like, oh, there's a young man uh, here named Zachariah. And I go, oh, Zachariah Branch. He's like, man, he's like a video game. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. He's fantastic. Man. He's got to, of course, go to school, get his education, and of course, his his his, his family. Uh, they got their head on 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 right, and, and and help him have his head on right. And I've actually talked to his family uh, there at the Hall of Fame when we were there for his uncle Cliff Branch uh, being enshrined in, in into the Hall of Fame. And so uh, I know that they've got big plans for him. He's just got to go and handle his business. And man, if if that dude stays healthy and everything goes the way I expect it to go, we're gonna be talking about that dude in a couple years about how high he's gonna go in the draft. He is fantastic. Fantastic. Man, that's a hell of a player. Huh. 702-365-921. I can go on and on about that guy. Uh, but the question that we threw out there to start the show, would you be okay starting a rookie quarterback if the Raiders believed that he was your franchise guy? Like, basically, they select the guy at number seven overall. Would you be comfortable having him start? Let's go out to Tim in Texas in the Lone Star State. Tim, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hello. How y'all doing? Oh, we're fantastic. Uh. I uh, honestly and truthfully, the only uh, the only quarterback in this draft that I would probably feel comfortable with starting right off the bat, um, if we could get him at number seven, would be the quarterback from Alabama. Okay. Uh, when it comes to the other two, I just don't. I think they need to sit for um, they need to sit for uh, a year. My hope, in my hope, is that we could get Aaron Rodgers without even giving up a whole bunch of draft picks. I'm 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 not giving up no first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. I'm not giving up no mm. second round pick for Aaron Rodgers unless unless I can't include a player. But I'm definitely not giving up no first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders is in a perfect position to where if those three quarterbacks are gone, even if they get Aaron Rodgers or don't get Aaron Rodgers or whatever the case may be, they're in the perfect position at number seven that if those three guys are gone, they can trade down, get way more picks, uh 
help out the defense, maybe get a quarterback in the in the in the second or uh, somewhere between the second and fourth round. But but they need to shore up that defense. That I mean, uh, more than anything in the offensive line. But and they're in a the perfect position to do that if they can't get one of those guys. One of those if one of those three guys are gone. All right, good stuff, man. Great call. I like it. I like it. And he has he had the details. I, I think, and I hate to break it to you. Uh, and I could be wrong. I think that uh, anyone getting Aaron Rodgers is giving up at least a first-round pick. Yeah, you're going to have to break him off or something. <laughs> and I understand what he's saying, though, because number seven, you, you, if you're any team, you're hoping that you're not picking in the top ten very often. So when you have that opportunity, you really don't want to just go ahead and give it up for a guy that you know is only going to be around a couple years. So I completely understand where he's coming from. But I think if that's the avenue that you go, I think that you're giving up that number seven overall pick. You got to you got to work some kind of magic because he ain't going to go for, you know, a bag, a bag of peanuts. It's just not going to happen, right? You can't say, oh, we'll give you a third round, a third and a fifth. Isn't that what uh, Gruden and company gave up for Antonio Brown, a third and a fifth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ain't going to cut it for Aaron Rodgers. It's just not. And I know he's got a fat contract, a lot of money. It could be, I guess, restructured, and you really can't restructure, I guess, the signing bonus part of it. But I just – I don't see anything less than a first-round pick going – for one, Aaron Rodgers. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to Gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Well, I was thinking we don't really have to start a rookie, and we don't have to get um, Aaron Rodgers, or we don't have to get Tom Brady. I was leaning more towards Tom Brady because we wouldn't have to trade for him, and he would bring uh, a player or two probably with him. But we don't have to. We could start Stidham, you know what I'm saying, trade a third-round pick for – um. For Trey, um, the boy um, in um, um, Frisco. I Trey Lance. Name, right? Trey Lance. Yeah, Trey Lance. Yep. Yeah, Trey Lance. And then we can still use our number seven pick or get the um, best quarterback right there. Or if somebody's stupid enough to give us a first-round pick for Derek Carr, we package that, the number seven, with the first round we get for Derek Carr and move up and get the quarterback we really like. And then we go in the season with Stidham, Trey Lance, and the quarterback, from the draft who we really like and we won't have to pay you know a bunch of money to the quarterback we signed we signed Stidham to like a um a high like a high value draft pick choice but you know no more than like a oh a rookie contract a little more than a high rookie you know contract and then we won't have to pay him that much and then we could fix the offensive line we could fix the defense we could fix the secondary with all the money and then we can use our draft picks also to fix, you know, show up our team, and we, instead of having one or two window, I mean, a one or two year window, if we go out and get Brady or um or um Rogers, we can have a seven to ten year window if we do it like that. Because if Stidham works out, you know, what I'm saying we can have him under contract for years, we'll, you know, even if he resigns, he won't be, you know, a whole lot unless he just pays all world. If he wins like two or three Super Bowls, then. We'll have to pay him like forty or fifty million, but even if then, we'll be glad to because we got like two or three Super Bowls, and so our team will be better for longevity. Because I was listening to Fargo Raider call, um, I think it was on JT the Brick this morning, and for Raider fans that's thirty and younger, they've never seen a good Raider team, and so for us to have some longevity, and instead of just gambling on one or two years with Aaron Rodgers, I say we do it like that, so we can have sustained success for at least seven to ten years and get at least two or three Super Bowls in the process. What you think about that? Hey, thank you for the call. Good stuff, my man. I'll say this. I, I don't see a scenario where Jarrett Stidham, Trey Lance, and a rookie quarterback would be all under contract. I could see Jarrett Stidham and a rookie and even uh, a veteran like uh, 
like a Brady or or a Rodgers, more Brady than Rodgers, honestly. I can see I can see Brady, Stidham, and a rookie. I can see that, no doubt. Trey Lance, I don't think he's available, right? We've we've kind of discussed that a lot on the show. I don't think Trey Lance is going to be available. Everyone's ready to, to trade him, go to San Francisco and trade him. I don't think that they're giving him up. And they're not going to give him up for a, a bag of peanuts either. They gave a hefty price, a king's ransom to go get him. Uh, th- at the very end of the day, they'll have him and Brock Purdy compete next year. And whoever wins is great. And the next guy is the backup. And that's a nice one-two punch right there. Hell, I'd like to have that situation. And no one knows who Trey Lance is anyway on top of that. Because we've all paid for something that the resale value isn't as much as what you paid as for, you so you're not, it, but you're not hey, giving it away. As soon as you drive it off the lot, it ain't worth what it was that what you paid for it, right? Yep, but that don't mean I'm selling it to anybody. <laughs> I could have drove that caddy off the lot and made an uh, immediate U-turn. It was like, I want to I sell it right back, and it wouldn't have been what I paid for it. I promise you that. It's cheaper to keep her, ain't that what they say? And then somebody's trying to offer you a penny on the dollar for it. No, thank you. I'll just keep it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I just don't. I don't see that 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 being a, a scenario where it's possible. But I do see a veteran like a Brady having Stidham. You sign him to, and and the contract I, I'm looking at is like a three year, you know, fifteen million dollar contract. So I mean, I think he made seventy five thousand this year. So if he makes five million a year, I mean, he's doing backflips in the parking lot, right? I mean, seriously. And that's, I mean, that's just, that's just reality, right? You know how it is, Demond. You get your first taste of a little bit of money and you act a fool. <laughs> and I'm not saying he would blow his money, but, I mean, hell, if you get a, all of a sudden a raise from 75 k to 5 mil, that's a big difference, man. You didn't change your tax bracket. It's tax time, right? You change your tax bracket. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, hold on. I actually need someone to take care of this money. We've all been overpaid for a job once or before. We have? Oh, you never. Oh, man. No. I'll, tell, I'll tell you a quick story. No, there was the duel in the desert. I tournament. wish I was overpaid. Back in college, there was a little turn. I did a job for Flow Sports. It was duel in the desert. And yeah, I did like some commentary. Yeah, so it was a great little tournament. Yeah, but I filled out the paperwork to get paid twice. So that means I got paid twice. Ooh, and I ain't tell nobody about it. You just told everybody else. It, statute of limitations. Okay, good. This is college. Oh, okay, but I got paid twice, so it was a six hundred dollar job. Uh-huh. That means I got twelve hundred for it. Three forty two is <laughs> the time. You know what? Let's give something out, man. 702-365-9200 while DeMond figures out his economics. I'm looking for call number nine. Black Crows, we got tickets to them. We've been giving them out all week long. You want your pair? We got them. Holler at us, man. Call number nine. 702-365-9200. This is Red Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Vinny Bonsignor. From the morning tailgate right here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and also the RJ, the Review Journal. He'll join us. We'll kind of scatter shoot with him about how the Raiders could put this roster together. Obviously, it starts at the quarterback position, but it does not end there. So we'll talk all things Raiders with Vinny Bonsignor, and he's an L.A. guy, so we'll ask him about Kobe as well. And then at 4.30, Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com. He'll join us to talk all things Lakers and Kobe Bryant. I did want to pass this on before we go to the phone lines. This is for you, Damon. Got a message on Demond's double pay comment. Please tell Demond the statute of limitations for fraud, in some cases, can be two years after it could have been reasonably discovered by the fraud victim. That might have been today when they heard about it on the radio. Well, shout out to Flow Sports, man. Y'all got a good thing going <laughs> over there. You know, I ain't even hurt nobody. I was young and dumb. <laughs> Didn't know how was I supposed to give it. How was I supposed to give it back? Go to the bank, call up corporate. Come on, man. They would have been like, keep that $600, bro. You were supposed to say, hey, man, I got paid twice. I just wanted to let you guys know that, you know, you you, you made a clerical mistake here. So I just wanted to be honest, Abe, and, and, and reported that. You know what I really thought about doing after that happened? What? What if I Going filed, to buying a dollar steak? No. What if I filed a third time? What I've got, you know, 
trying to get over. Then, okay. they, then that's when they would have caught me. Yeah, yeah, you would have got greedy. <laughs> you would have got real greedy. Let's go out to the phone lines, man. 702-365-9200. Eddie in Vegas, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, Demond? What up, Q? What up? Love your show. Love your show, man. Uh, first time caller. Appreciate it. It's just uh, been a frustrating season, man, and uh, it's already been frustrating hearing about all this draft hoopla. But uh, you know what? Um, honestly, if I were the Raiders, if you're going to draft the quarterback, it's either Stroud or, or or Young. If not, you know, like you said, we're going to have to give up a first-round pick for uh, Rodgers if we're going to go after him. So why not trade multiple times in the draft, per se, uh, Young and Stroud are gone. Why don't we trade out of the uh, seven, uh, seven overall and then down in the teens and then trade back down again to the 20s and get more picks like that, and then we could give up that first-round pick. It won't be as high right. of a, of a first-round pick if we're going to give that up for Rodgers. And like that, we have more draft capital to uh, shore up the D-line and, and the offensive line and the defense for sure. I don't know what you guys think. I'll hang up and listen up. Thank you. Eddie, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. And I'll say this, man. There's nothing wrong when it comes to trading back and, and collecting more more draft capital, especially when you have as many holes and as many areas that need to be filled as the Raiders do on the roster. Uh, the more shots at it you get, the better. Uh, but now if there's an impact player there that you really like and you really covet, you don't want to run away from him, right? You want to run closer to him. If you see the, 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 the sunlight at the end of the tunnel, man, you want to run to it. You don't want to run from it. You don't want to stay in the dark. You want to run to the light, right? So if you see the light there, if you see Jalen Carter, you run to Jalen Carter. You don't run away from him. So it all depends on, on what you're, you're looking for. If that impact player is there, go get him. If you feel like that the impact player that you want, you can get a little bit later, then, then you do that. Then you at least attempt to do that. Now, like when the Raiders drafted Cleve Farrell number four, everyone realized that that was too high for him. And – the first thought is, how come they didn't trade out of that spot? How come they didn't trade out of that spot? Well, you've got to have two to tango. I mean, I can't just be like, hey, I'm here at number four, or I'm at number seven. I'm trading. You trading with who? Well, I'm trading with number 18. Just number 18 don't know about it, right? I mean, there's got to be an agreement. So, you know, in theory, that would have been great if they had been able to move down and got some more picks out of it, but who knows what would have happened with the picks. So in this scenario, if you want to move out of number seven, Good. I'm sure that, you know, Dave Ziegler's working the phones. They'll be working the phones and they'll be, you know, talking to other teams. There'll be some leaks that you hear. This team wants this guy, this guy. And that's just kind of how you work the magic. But you got to have a couple teams to tango. And then you want to get your value. Like the one mistake I thought that the Raiders made back in the day was when they traded out the number three spot and they traded to back like to what, 11 or 12 to get DJ Hayden, but they hardly got anything in return. That trade, I mean, their, their, their extra trade, I mean, and that's a lot of spots. You're going up from 12 to three. You should get a haul in return, and they didn't. They and I, and I don't remember the exact terms of the trade, but it wasn't enough. That's what I do know. I know that looking at it, I thought, that's all you got back for the number three overall pick? And now Miami, they squandered the number three pick. They went and got um, Deion Jordan, mm-hmm. and then the Raiders got DJ Hayden at what, 12? 11 or 12, right? They got him at 12. Yeah, there you go. And DJ Hayden obviously didn't work out with the Raiders, and Deion Jordan sure didn't work out in the league. So I mean, there that was that was really a wash. But what do you have the do you have the terms of that trade? I know it wasn't enough. That's for sure. You don't have it. No, I don't have it in front of me. All right, that's all right. At some point we'll find it. But yeah, that's that's the point. It just wasn't enough. Let's get one more quick call. Let's talk to our guy. Shields up. Welcome to the show. Q, how you doing, bro? Oh, I'm blessed, man. How are you doing? Good, man. R.I.P. to uh, Colby, his family. 
Uh, all condolences. Um, I've been a Laker fan since Magic went into the NBA. It wasn't even about the Lakers. It was about Magic when he beat Bird in that championship game. You remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Indiana State, yep. Michigan State. Yep. And when he went to the Lakers, I'm a Laker fan. And uh, Jabbar and the whole nine. And uh, just want to give my respect to that. I want to reflect back on to the back and forth you had with uh, Devon earlier about later rounds mm-hmm. succeeding over the earlier rounds. The Max Crosbys, the uh, Hobbs, and the, uh, what is it? My question is this: What is it? Sometimes is that the and the Pharaohs? I don't. I don't believe Farrell should have been picked at that round. I think he's a stout one defender, and he, and he's giving it all to the to, to the team and the nation. But what is it sometimes when we have a later round pick succeed better than an earlier projected round pick? Thank you for taking my call, brother, and always shields up. There you go, shields up with the call. And I just think that sometimes, I don't want to say it's easier to get a guy a little bit later on, but I think it's less pressure. It's a lot less pressure when you have the fourth round pick or the fifth round pick. And again, I don't know where Klee should have gone, but clearly he shouldn't have gone number four overall. Like everyone knows that. You can try hard all you want. And, and he has. I respect him, respect the hell out of him for everything he's done. Anything people ask him to do, he's done. Play inside, play outside, drop in coverage, do this, do that. He's done that to a T the best he can. But number four overall, I think we all could agree was high. I just think that the later the rounds are, the less pressure it is to get it right. And so when you get it right, then all of a sudden it really shines because it's like, oh, he was a fourth-round pick. Or like a Richard Sherman, oh, he was a fifth-round pick. Or a Nate Hobbs, fifth-round pick. They just shine a little bit more when they're later on in the draft. And also going back to what you said, because I did find out the details of this DJ Hayden trade. Oh, yeah. They traded the third overall pick, and all they got back, you moved back to 12, and then they got the 42nd overall pick, and they picked Manilik Watson? Oh, Manilik, yeah. 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 That's all they got? That's all that's all, that's all, all the got. trade was. That's all they got. So it's they like you said, a good dance partner. That's they got a, number twelve and number forty two, and that was it. That was it. They got fleeced. Mm-hmm. Fleeced. I knew I was angry about it when it happened. I didn't know I was that angry. I just realized now that's an absolute fleece. They moved back nine spots and they only picked up one pick. And that's number forty two overall. Yep, and a guy who's out of the league who spent three seasons with the Raiders. Yeah, and he didn't, didn't do, do much. much. He didn't do much. He he was. He was a cool guy, but cool guys don't block very well. Cool guys don't <laughs> help win games. Wow. Yeah, they can't do something like that. That was an absolute – Miami probably sitting there like, they really took that? They, they took that deal? No wonder Reggie McKenzie has a job in Miami right now. They're like, yeah, we'll take this guy on our side. He gave us the keys to the kingdom, even though they didn't do anything with it. Can't believe that. 3.56 at the time. Thanks for the call. Shields up. We do appreciate you. Coming up next, we'll kick off hour number three of the show. Vinny Bonsignor, he'll join us. This is Red Nation Radio 920.